can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? (laughs) Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect our employers. Enjoy! Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Friends. Today's bonus episode is an interview Mal did on her podcast, Make It Known with Mal, with her friend Jessie. Enjoy! Can't relate to cancel culture? hookup culture, or victim culture? (laughs) Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect our employers. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to Make It Known with Mal. I'm your host Mal and today starts our America series. Um, It's a series within a series but these next four weeks of July um, is going to be America month and we're just going to be talking, sorry about that y'all, we're just going to be talking about things America related things USA. Um, you're gonna be listening to this July 6th, and the 4th of July is Independence Day for America, Woo! so we just celebrated. Um, I hope everybody had a fun, safe one, lots of eating and fireworks and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, hope y'all had a good time. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and it's my I favorite have- holiday, so <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Uh, my favorite is my birthday, but that's a whole nother, that's a good one. Okay. yeah, that's, that's a whole nother personality thing about Mal. Um, but yeah, so I also want to talk about my shirt really quick. I'm not sponsored or anything, but it'd be nice if they did. I got this from futurefemaleleaders.com. Um, I actually have a lot of things from them, so they totally should sponsor me one day. Uh, but it, they have super cute, like America themes, like. Um, stuff that I think everybody should check out. They also have really cute stickers too. If you ever seen my laptop and pictures or anything like that, like I have a lot of their stickers on my laptop, both of them. Um, okay, so anyway, let's get started. Today is um, episode one of this new series, and um, it's basically going to be like a civics, just talking about America lesson. A lot of my audience um, is. USA based um I 100% was and then I checked today and it's 93% so that's pretty cool I guess yeah yeah so we're just going to talk about the US a a very big election is coming up we're also in the middle of some primaries and primaries have happened I think there's still a few more that are going to be happening too but we'll get into all that we'll talk about um the general election versus primaries and all those all that jazz but we're going to talk about all those things and if you guys um remember jesse this is my friend hello um she is the um well she was the third 
episode yes the third episode yeah and honestly mm-hmm. she's the most listened to episode too so if you haven't already you should oh, really listen. still yeah you're still the oh, most listened to cool. yeah yeah no, 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 <laughs> seriously cool. yeah it is it is um and it's a really good episode everyone should check it out um it's my most listened to my most popular one um so she's just gonna tell us I guess also to um she'll tell us a quick little recap of like who she is and then I have some questions for her um so I really hope everybody's listening and learning if you don't have an if you're really curious um you can get a notepad and notebook and everything and take notes if you want to too this should be very informative anyway super long introduction Jesse can you give us a quick little bit of who you are sure yeah so I am uh, based in Virginia, first of all. So some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about is kind of from the basis of somebody who does this in Virginia. Um, but uh, there's definitely a lot of similarities to pretty much how your system works all over the country with some slight variations that you can find out about, and it's not super hard. Um, but I am currently the Young Republicans National Federation, or the Young Republicans Federation of Virginia's National Committee woman. So part of what I do is I'm involved in the Republican Party, which is whole job is to elect Republican candidates. Um, And I work with the Young Republicans, which is basically anybody under 40. It's a young professionals group that supports the Republican Party and its message. And we um, do lots of grassroots activism. We train volunteers. uh, We teach people how to get involved in the political process. We also have uh, young Republicans who are serving in elected office from local government all the way up to Congress. So it's really exciting. Um, so that's really cool. So basically we, we, we educate, identify, train, uh, and run young Republicans and, and Republicans in general for office. Um, and I help to coordinate with the national level young Republicans so that Virginia kind of knows what we're supposed to be doing and can support our candidates the best way uh, that we know how. Uh, I also have a background working in politics a little bit. So I worked for some conservative nonprofit organizations, including the Heritage Foundation, Turning Point USA, and Americans for Prosperity. I work in the private sector now, but uh, that's kind of my background and how I learned a little bit about grassroots organizing. And now I just do it for fun. So (laughs) people kind of think it's crazy because I think I actually spend more time on politics and government now that I do it for free than I did when I got paid to do it. Oh, wow. So <laughs> it's an inter- been an interesting transition, but I really, really enjoy it. Yes, guys. And she's super knowledgeable. That's why I asked her to do this. Super, super knowledgeable. Um, Hopefully. <laughs> no, seriously. Just a side note, the new super cute guy that was elected in North Carolina recently, he's a young Republican, right? Yes, yes, he is. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, that was just a side note. Congratulations um, on your special election win. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, I did hold the one. No, I'm just joking. Um, okay, so the first one, first question, we're just going to go ahead and get into it, um, is we're just going to talk about the founding of the country and the type of government that we have, because it's some people think we have just a straight up a democracy, but that's not necessarily what we have. And if you could just talk about that. Yeah, I wish I had come par- prepared with quotes from the Federalist Papers, uh, which I did <laughs> not, but that's okay. So um, a straight democracy essentially is basically everything gets voted on by everybody. So if you have, you know, a law in your town and, and you guys want to pass a law banning fences above a certain height or whatever, Everyone would get together, everyone would vote on that, and whatever the majority opinion was would win. That's a straight democracy. So obviously we still vote in this country, but it probably, you probably know that it's not like that. And running a country the size that our country is, and with the different states that we have, 
it would be very difficult if we all had to be available to vote on every piece of legislation for everywhere, whenever. <laughs> so <laughs> instead of doing that, our, our founders, who at the time were part of 13 individual colonies that had come together to form a union to basically declare that they did not want to be subservient to the crown of England anymore. And there's, I'm way oversimplifying this because there's a whole lot more background in there. But essentially, these people, when they first started the government, viewed themselves as part of very different government entities. So the states weren't really conceptualized as part of one government to begin with. Um, and as the founders kind of shaped and molded our constitution and our government, they created a, a federalist system uh, and a republic. So what a republic is, is essentially it is a form of government on which, in which we vote on representatives. And those representatives at different levels of government decide on legislation. So they vote on legislation, so we don't have to vote on everything, but we pick them. So we, we pick people that we trust to represent the interest of our communities. And instead of all of us spending all of our time on it, that's what they get to do. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Essentially, these people work for us. Exactly. So these people work for us. And the goal is that we pick people who really represent and understand the communities that they are advocating for. Because their job, really, at the end of the day, is to advocate for the needs of their constituents. So whether that is, you know... For instance, Virginia, we have many different areas of our commonwealth. So where I live is a much more suburban area. There's a lot of small businesses. Uh, there is naval shipyards. So we have one of the largest naval shipyards in the world in my congressional district. And so that's a big issue that people are concerned about. Whereas in somewhere like the 5th Congressional District of Virginia, it's a much more rural district. It covers a, a large piece of land in Virginia. And a lot of it's rural. There's a lot of farmers. So uh, a lot of their needs are, are more agriculture-based, more rural-based. Um, and a lot of the needs of the constituents of my congressional district are much more based on, you know, small business and, and industry and the defense sector. So it's important that in each of those places, we have representatives who understand that those are very different needs and they need to be equally considered when we're passing legislation. So... Um, that also brings me to kind of the, the federalist part of our system, because, you know, for instance, our member of Congress doesn't make regulations about, um, say, Virginia taxes. Our member of Congress makes federal regulations. So we have these representatives, but they represent us at several different levels. And I think this is also a really interesting and important component of the founding. Because of the geography and, and how America was colonized and founded and who was there, the different groups, really uh, different communities were very self-sufficient to begin with. And obviously different cities grew, different states grew, populations grew, and they became more interdependent. But fundamentally, we were a bunch of settlements that were all kind of far apart, and, and we all kind of figured our own stuff out. So the basis of our federalist system is essentially a bottom-up. So the things that, will, that you will find, the pieces of legislation that most directly influence your life, are often things that are made at the local level. Yes, So if you yes. think of, like, yeah, and this is, this is something, when we think about elections and we think about politics and government and things like that, often we think about the president 
who's in Congress, um, you know, who's maybe on the Supreme Court, people who are at the federal level. But quite honestly, if you have something that goes on in your community that you need to deal with right away, or, you know, for instance, how is funding to your schools prioritized? Are you going to build a new elementary school? Is there going to be a traffic light put up somewhere on a busy road? Um, you know, what are the some of the uh, taxes put on restaurants in your community? All of these things that probably influence you a lot more regularly than what the federal budget deficit is, those happen at the local level. So yes. often people don't take the opportunity to participate in their local elections, but those are actually the things that, if there's something that bothers you that the government does or that the government doesn't do, quite honestly, it's probably something that happens at your local level. Yes. More often than not for, you know, average everyday kind of concerns. Um, so yeah, so, the, so that's some of the things that the local government does. They oversee, you know, what goes on in, you know, your roads, your, your local business taxes, your, you know, meals tax is something that's come up a lot. I know in North Carolina and parts of Virginia as well. Um, schools, busing, traffic lights, police funding. And right now, obviously, um, police practice and training and funding and all of those things, which are a huge part of the narrative right now, not controlled by the president, not controlled by the Congress, that's probably controlled by your local government, probably by your sheriff's office, who's most likely elected. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so very, very important elections to participate in if you're concerned about those things. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have the state level. So they deal with things a little bit more generally. So perhaps maybe transportation, uh, again, education funding, but at the general statewide level, you know, what are your standards testings in, in your state for, for elementary and high school level kids? Uh, different stuff like that. Are, are things that your state government would would be involved in. And so you have, uh, similar to what you would see at the federal level, you have a House of Representatives, essentially, might be called a General Assembly, it might be called, um, you know, something else. Um, and then you have a, a Senate, which is, you know, the higher body, they have, they represent more constituents. Um, and then you will have a governor, an attorney general, things like that. Uh, so those people would take care of policy in your state that directly influences where you live. And then... And, oh, sorry, really quick. Sorry, I also want to insert this. So, you, And your governors are the ones that are making the decisions, whether you're open back up, whether you have to make wear yes. masks. Yeah. The president's not in charge of that. Your governors are. So if you don't yes. like what your governor has done, you or you love what he's done, it's your yeah. job to vote for him. And... Uh, also, to these small or the more like local state elections, they are people are now winning by a very, very much smaller. Yeah, market. yeah, that's a very important point. There's a lot of yeah. even so in Virginia, the House of Delegates race in 2018 or sorry, 2017, 2017, our House of Delegates, the majority in our House of Delegates. So basically one party or the other has a majority and it makes it easier to pass legislation. The majority in our House of delegates came down to one seat because they were dead tied came down to one seat and that seat had a recount election and that recount election was a dead tie and so they did something where they essentially flipped a coin because that's the that's the legislation in place for what happens if we have a dead tie in an election so that election literally came down to a coin toss and the control of our General Assembly in Virginia came down to a coin toss in 2017. 
So that's how close your statewide elections are. That's so how close your local elections are. And vote, you guys. Like, when <laughs> yeah. you say your vote doesn't matter, okay, for president, I'm not going to get into that. But, like, <laughs> for your local stuff, like, it matters. Yeah. Oh, my, I did not for know For your local and your statewide stuff, it can be that close. Wow. Because often they're low turnout elections. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you really... You might be a, a very deciding factor. Yeah, you could be the one who makes the change. Exactly. <laughs> Talk about making a difference. It could be you. Imagine, yeah, imagine being the one person who made it a tie <laughs> or the one person, you know, the yeah. person who puts it one over or maybe 20 over. Like I've seen, we had a, a, a city council race this year that is currently in a recount and there is a 57 vote difference. So, wow, yeah, again, this is super, super close stuff. So yeah. yeah, really important. And then obviously at the federal level, people are pretty familiar with what that is. Obviously it's a lot more general. It's a lot more, you know, regulations around large bureaucracies, regulations around funding, foreign policy, things like that. So it's it's a, a broader scale, but it also influences you as an individual a lot less on a daily level. Um, but it's still important. So basically multiple different levels of government multiple different, and that's the legislative and the executive. Obviously there's a judicial and that pretty much mirrors the same process. Um, but yeah, all of these things are very important. They all have different purviews of responsibility and, and it's kind of your job to pay attention to all of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and I really do want to stress. So um, there's the normies and then there's us. Um, so we are obsessed with politics and like yes, to yes. know and everything. And if you don't want to be like this, that's fine. Because that's some fine. of us are stressed all the time. Some fine. of us know too much about things that they wish they didn't know. Some of us talk only about it. And I completely I understand. Yeah, I, really I try do. not to. I try but not I to too. Try to recruit everyone to be involved. So <laughs> it, it's a balance. Everyone um, eventually gets my vote in local elections talk. <laughs> so vote in local elections. It's very yeah. Important. No, I'm the same way though. Seriously. So like, um, so you don't have to be as like ingrained and as like, oh my god, politics. You don't have to do that. I understand mm-hmm. that sometimes it can get stressful. I'm not mad at you for that. But you do have to know enough to make informed decisions. This is our country. These people work for us. So you have to, you should at least be aware of who's running. You should, you know, quick Google searches of different people. You can always reach out. Yeah, I mean, it's really good to know what district you're in. So for instance, super easy to figure out what district you're in. You basically Google what district am I in in my state? And there's probably a website in your state. Mine is uh, Virginia voterinformation.gov or whatever. Uh, VPAP has it too, which is another Virginia-based site. But there's there's a bunch of, there's probably a statewide site that has information on that. And it's definitely really important that you figure out what districts you're in uh, for your local, state, and federal level and who represents you currently in those districts. And also probably when they're up for re-election. Um, because if you have a problem that requires someone in government, you want to know how to solve that problem. And especially at the local and state level, it is shockingly easy to get in contact with your representative and to have them sit down and listen to you and answer your problem. They don't have a ton of constituents compared to a congressman, compared to a senator, compared to your governor. They don't have a ton of constituents. It's much easier, especially at the local level, to get something through. So, you know, with a lot of protests and things going on right now that people are concerned about, 
issues that are specifically community-based, issues around policing or issues around, you know, how we govern our communities. Uh, it's very important that you know who sets the policy in your community, because if it is an issue, if you've seen abuse or if you've seen something that you think could change in a positive way, um, you should reach out to that person and have a conversation with them and say, hey, this is the problem I've seen. What can we do about it? And they will probably sit down and talk to you about it. Yeah. And that's um, and that's something that everyone should feel comfortable doing. Absolutely. Because, and I'm going to keep stressing it. These people work for us and they are, we elected them to get things done for us. So if there is an issue or something, you should feel comfortable just reaching out, letting them know how you feel. And Mm -hmm. like you said, it's the local and the state ones that can really um, impact you. I'm sure people in DC. Yeah, your congressman can too. It definitely depends on your issue, but yeah. if you have a problem, start there. See see where it goes. If they can't help you, they'll probably point you towards somebody who can. Right, right. Um, yeah, that was great. Um, so you kind of sort of touched it. And you don't have to do like a, a long uh, explanation about it or anything. But can you just talk about the three different branches of government? Yeah, definitely. So there's three different branches of government and they all... So <laughs> if you look at the constitutional definition of three different branches of government... It sets out specific powers that each branch of government is responsible for and takes care of and does. Now, it's been 250 years, and the basis of that still remains. But the organizations involved in that is not the same, especially in the executive branch. As we've grown, we've either needed more things or wanted more things, depending on how you come down on that issue. And so uh, we have expanded some of what those roles are, but they function with the same principles in mind. So the executive branch is sort of who your you, your governor would be, the president would be, uh, but it also includes things like the Department of Education, the Department of Labor, um, the FBI, the CIA, um, border security, things like that that are federal agencies. So those are particularly particularly focused on enforcing law. So, for instance, the police department, your sheriff, uh, things like that, your your mayor even, although your mayor also kind of has a legislative function often, um, but it's kind of a crossover role at the local level. (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah, but, but, and, you know, for instance, your governor is the commander in chief of the National Guard in your state. So the governor has the ability to activate the National Guard which we have seen in some contexts. Uh, The president can also federalize that in very specific contexts. But um, your governor has a certain amount of ability to enforce law and order in his state. Uh, And that's the role of the executive branch. Oh, the military would also be, sorry. (laughs) I kind of breezed over that. But the military is also a very important part of the executive branch. Uh, The legislative branch is responsible for actually setting policy. So these are the people who decide how high your taxes should be and, you know, how we fund education and how we work on roads and whether or not your fence can be six feet high in your town or whatever it is. Um, these, are, these are the things that we set policy or legislation on. And they can be very complex. They can be at many levels. And, and that's why we have two bodies of government uh, or two houses of the legislature at all different at the state and federal level to um, talk about that. So basically they have to come to a consensus in both houses on 
whether or not something should be passed. So for instance, uh, if they were talking about what the state budget should be, often the governor will talk to the legislature and say, this is how much we need to run the state. And then the legislature will take that and ignore it. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Mostly, but not really. Um, and then anyway. the legislature on both sides will take that and the House, the House will say, okay, this is what we think we need at each of these different lines and this is what we think the budget should be. And the Senate will do the same thing on their side and create a Senate bill and says, say this is what we think the budget should be and blah, blah, blah. And then they will oftentimes on legislation have sort of basically a, a, a conference where uh, the people who are working on whatever legislation view the bills and swap them over between houses and say, okay, what can we agree on over here? What can we agree on over here? And then they will pass a formal, you know, pass the final version of the bill in both houses. And if it passes both houses, then it'll go to whoever the executive is, whether that's the governor or the president, to be signed, and then it becomes a law. So it's often a very complicated process, and and more bills die than make it through. Because within that, there are, someone has to propose the bill, someone has to sponsor the bill. Then the bill goes to a committee. So it's a specific group. So it might be the education committee or the budgets committee or the infrastructure committee or whatever goes to a specific committee. That committee is made up of a smaller percentage of the members and they vote on it. They change it or do whatever, because that's their specialty for legislation. And then if it makes it through the committee, it will go to the house or the Senate. And then it goes through that whole process on both sides and whatever. So very long process. But the important thing about the legislature is it's, its most important job is to make sure that bad legislation does not get passed. So often people think that the legislature's job is to pass legislation. No, the legislature's job is to stop bad legislation from passing Mm -hmm. because it is so difficult to get through that whole process. And it's made like that on purpose so that we can't have a bunch of people ramming through things that they think are a good idea without actually taking a time to consider it, build consensus. And again, that's why your representatives are so important because your representatives can offer feedback based on the needs of your community. So that's why the legislative process is often the thing that gets a lot of focus and often a lot of dissension and fighting and things like that, because it's such a difficult process but it's on, it's on purpose. <laughs> and then the judicial branch reviews laws. So basically the judicial branch is concerned with the application of laws. So for instance, you know, a lot of people are very familiar with the criminal branch of that, but there's also the, the civil branch of the judicial as well. So the criminal branch would be, you know, somebody broke into my house and stole my TV And, you know, (laughs) can I send them to jail? (laughs) So, yes, maybe, maybe. True. Because we have the presumption of innocence in our system. And this is very important. So our justice system, our criminal justice system is based on the presumption of innocence. Because essentially, if you're a criminal, if civil case, civil cases are different, but if you're a criminal, You're not facing me, the person whose house you broke into. You're facing the state whose law you broke. So if you are accused of stealing TV from someone's house, you will go to court and the state will have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you broke their law. Now, it's important. I'm explaining that. I've never (laughs) heard it 
And I've taken a criminal procedure class. I've never had a broken. Well, down correct me it. if I'm wrong, though. Because no, 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 you're right. Going to law school. Yeah, like that's <laughs> it. Like you're right. I. I've never heard anyone break it down like that. Okay, keep going. So I just had the, wow. Yeah, so, so yeah, so that's why the presumption of innocence is so important because it's not me that you're being presumed innocent against me, the victim. It's the state's laws. And if the state can set whatever laws it wants and you can break those laws or not break those laws, the state should be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you have broken those laws and you're judged by a jury of your peers. And this is another protection against tyranny, which essentially was the entire thing that the founders set up this system. So they set up the legislature to make sure that it's not tyrannical because it takes so long to get stuff through the process. They set up the judicial branch to make sure it's not tyrannical because the state can have, has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt before it can restrict your freedoms or penalize you that you have actually done something in violation of, your, of the laws of the state, which are a violation of the safety or the well-being of the community. And the executive branch is prevented from making laws. So it's pretty much tied, its hands are tied from this whole process. It can't judge you if you break its laws. It can't make the laws it wants to make. It can only enforce laws. So all of these things are separated to protect your individual liberties. Because you can see the whole process and you are the most important stakeholder in the whole process as a citizen. So the entire thing is set up to make sure that nobody who's elected or appointed to any of these things can restrict your freedom or change the way that your life is structured without due cause and a whole lot of deliberation. So those are the three branches of government. And that's why I like them. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was great. That was really good, Jesse. Wow. Okay. And you're doing a great job. Um, So let's see here. Let's discuss. Um, let's discuss primaries versus general elections. Why yeah. are primaries important, and why should we care if it's not the president? Yes. Uh, so this is very important. I actually have some very recent experience with this that I can share now. Kind of um, exciting. So uh, there is a lot of misconceptions around what a primary is and what a primary is not. So in Virginia specifically, we do not have party registrations. So when you register to vote, you just register as a voter. You don't register as a member of a party. Now, that's not the case everywhere. I grew up in upstate New York and you register as either a Republican or a Democrat or an independent. In a lot of states, it works that way. Virginia doesn't happen to work that way, so we're a little bit of an oddball and a little bit more complicated, but generally, when you register to vote, you're, you pick one, um, or you might pick libertarian or whatever's an option, but you pick one, and that means that you are a part of that party, or you generally align with that party. So when primaries happen, what you are doing, well, first, I need to explain something else. So parties are not a government structure. Parties are two groups of people that represent two ideologies. They're two organizations. They're civic organizations, essentially. And they represent two different ideologies. Or you might say they're two sides of the same coin. I don't know who you are. (laughs) It depends. It depends on your perception. But at the end of the day, political parties are civic organizations. They're defined by certain things in the tax code, and they're required to do certain things and disclose certain things and whatever. But I won't get into that, because at the end of the day, They are there as a mechanism 
for you to pick someone to represent you. And most people generally align with the ideas of one or the other. That's not always the case, but it's the case for a lot of people. Um, so if you register, so, so, so if you register and you vote in a normal general election in November, you're voting in a public election. This is an election run by the country in order to determine who our representatives are. It's not run by an organization. It's run by the country for the public. A primary is different. Even though you might go to the same polling location that you vote in in November, a primary is not actually, it may be run by the Board of Elections, but a primary is not actually a, an election for the public. It's what's called a party process. So both parties have party processes. They have processes by which they choose the leadership of their party, but they also have processes by which they choose their candidates. And because they're so integral to our system right now, they are regulated in certain ways by the Board of Elections, and there are rules surrounding them and rules surrounding, you know, if you lose in a lot of states, you can't run as an independent afterwards if you lose in a primary. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, so Virginia, good. for instance, has sore loser laws. So if you lose in a primary election, <laughs> yeah, that's what they're called. Um, no, you, you lose in a primary election, again. you can't be on the ballot as an independent candidate. You could yeah. run a write-in campaign legally, but you can't be on the ballot because your party already decided that they didn't pick you. Um, so, but yeah, so that is, so the point of a primary is actually a party process. It's a mechanism of the Republican or the Democrat party to choose who their candidate is. So it's actually not for necessarily public benefit or public participation. It is for um, the party members to choose who represents them the best to go up against whatever the other party's candidate is. So Virginia is a little weird. Uh, and there's some states that also have conventions to do this. So instead of going to a normal polling place, you would go to, say, a high school auditorium and everyone gets to vote. In, in that setting. So maybe like on a Saturday morning or whatever, Virginia has some of these. So, um, and actually in Virginia, the different localities actually get to pick whether or not they have a primary or a convention. And there's different rules surrounding um, who gets to pick that and how. But That's essentially cool. the party in Virginia completely gets to choose the nominating method. So each, so like my congressional district committee, the Republican party in my congressional district had a vote and they chose that they wanted to have a primary election to choose their nominee. It just happened on Tuesday. So there's a fun story <laughs> relating to that. But um, another district decided that they were going to have a convention. So they had everyone do a drive-through convention on, you know, one particular Saturday and everybody had to go to this location and fill out a ballot and you had to register as a delegate in advance with your local GOP unit and stuff like that. So conventions are a lot more closed off. Um, but in Virginia, the argument tends to be between how open we want our primary process to be. So in states with party registration, it's very easy to check. I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat because that's what you normally vote as. And then you just are that. Uh, and in those states, if you check the check mark as a Republican, you can't go on the Democrats primary day and go say, Hey, I want to vote in the democratic primary. They're going to say, mm, yeah, you can't do that unless <laughs> you change your voter registration status. And you can change and you can be a Democrat and then you have to vote in only the Democratic Party process. You can't vote in the Republican primary. In Virginia, you can actually, so there's often been times where the primaries for the Democrat and Republican Party are on the same day. 
And you can actually go to the ballot and they'll say, do you want a Republican or a Democrat ballot? And you just pick one right there. (laughs) (laughs) And you just pick whichever one you want to vote in and you don't have to, you're just a voter. So you can switch it up every time if you want. That sounds like (laughs) chaos. I can see people who just want someone to win that's on the opposite side um, so that the person on their side could beat that person. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like, so that's, so sure that's that actually happens. called, that's actually called spoiling a primary. Okay. And uh, famously, sure I believe there is a conservative talk show host who will, I, I will not name specifically, <laughs> uh, but there is a conservative talk show host that at a certain point in time was encouraging people to do that and to vote for who they perceived was the weaker candidate on the other side. Mm-hmm. Now this is legal. You can do this. However, it is not advisable. If you want to be involved in your your actual party that you align with process at all. So for instance, because I am an elected member of the Republican Party and I hold a party office, I am prevented from participating in the Democrats' elections or in their primaries. Uh, because it's unethical uh, for me to do so. Also and, morally, like, ethics and, and Yeah, and it's, it's not, it's, it's just generally frowned upon. Um, <laughs> but I'm actually prevented from doing so. So when I was elected to serve as a party official, um, the contingency of that in our bylaws of our political party is that if I were to participate in a Democratic Party process, whether that's a convention or a primary or whatever, um, or if, even if I donate to a Democratic candidate, actually, uh, that I am deemed resigned from my position and from the Republican Party. Oh, wow. So if you're just a normal voter and you don't hold a title or a position, whatever, you can do whatever you want. But you may be prevented from participating in your party processes in the future, or you might have to sign a renunciation statement on either side, basically to say, like, I did this once, but I actually agree with you guys, so that they know that whoever is being chosen in their nominating processes is someone who actually represents the interests of their membership. So it's basically to maintain the integrity of the choice. Yeah. Because we want to ensure that whoever the Republicans run and whoever the Democrats run are people that Republicans and Democrats actually wanted to have represent them. Um, so yeah, but yeah, that's a very long winded answer to the fact that um, general elections are a public affair primary elections are a party process. Very, very different. (laughs) Great explanation. You said some things I didn't even know myself. So great explanation. Um, Okay. You get into Robert's rules of order and party politics like all day long, but I won't because it bores a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, You kind of sort of answered all of the questions. Um, Yeah. I, which is great. There's two more. Um, mm-hmm. But first, before those two, I would like you to maybe do a quick little plea so people can vote. Because there's a lot of people who are discouraged yeah. about voting. Um, I'll just say some of the things I've heard. Um, there's two people. I don't 
like either one of the people running for president. Why should mm-hmm. I even go? Mm-hmm. My vote doesn't matter because um, the seven families are controlling us anyway, which don't get me started on that, okay, y'all. Okay, so um, I might okay. not be able to respond to that one because <laughs> I I don't know if you would have to accept a premise which is very different than the one that you're currently operating <laughs> under. But um, And then I've also heard um, um, it, it's all rigged not just by the seven people but just in general it's all rigged um I've heard that I don't really care it doesn't really affect me I've heard um eh I'm young it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. right now or um eh I'm old I'll let the young people do it um so yeah so any of those how plead to these people so I think it's important that we think about the founding that we were talking about earlier So in our constitution, the preamble of our constitution, have you, have you read it or have you memorized it? Uh, There's a lot of people who have memorized it based on a schoolhouse rock song. Um, And so I ask that because sometimes it's fun to hear how people memorized it and it's, it's a little, it's a little jingle, but um, I cannot say I've memorized it. Um, I can say that I would recognize it. Okay. (laughs) I still love America, everybody. I still love America. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's just, it's just fun because then you can sing the little jingle together. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you, you want to sing it, go for it. No, I'm good. And your <laughs> listeners are fine. I should, should be happy about that. But um, yeah, so if you're interested in learning the preamble and memorizing it, look up the Schoolhouse Rock song about the preamble and you'll be able to memorize it. But um, in the preamble of the Constitution, which basically states why we're doing this whole thing to begin with. Um, there's an important line where it basically says that the purpose of this document is to ensure good government for ourselves and for our posterity. So it is a government that was formed by everyone there at the time, by general consent of the governed, which is a political philosophy concept that some people might be familiar with, but it's an important one. So it's basically um, that the people who are living there agreed that this is what we want to be our governing structure. And they did that to preserve life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as our, as our Declaration of Independence, but life, liberty, and also property rights and, and independence and, and the things that are enumerated in our Bill of Rights um, for themselves and for their posterity. And they did that with the full knowledge that since they consented to the government system, they were responsible for the government system. Mm. And this is something that the Federalist Papers talks about in detail. Uh, And it also is something that is talked about by Alexis de Tocqueville, who was a a French political scientist and kind of uh, writer who came over slightly after the founding of America and because the French were going through a very similar process at the time of, of enlightenment philosophy and of interest, interest in self-governance. Um, he came over and basically said, what is this experiment? What is happening here? And why is it working? And is it working? Um, and, and he, one of the things that he talked about was he talked about the reason that the government of the United States was effective was because everyone that he talked to from the most uneducated farmer to, you know, the most elite business owner and everyone in between knew about their government. They knew the purpose of their government. They knew the function of their government and they took responsibility for the running of their country. 
And I think this is something that often we as voters forget, or it's easy to forget. It's easy to think that, you know, well, the people in Washington control it all, and what can I really do, and blah, blah, blah. Or that, you know, I often hear that money decides elections, money wins elections, and that's it. But that's really not the case. Um, Often, elections hang in the balance of just a few votes. And I think it's uh, a good example of why it's important to participate at every level in your political process, not just every four years for president. Um, That might be the most visible example of who controls your government. Uh, But it is not the most important. It is one of many equally important co-equal branches of government. Um, And so, and, and along with the party primary process, even if you might be frustrated with the fact that you don't feel like either party represent, represents you, my guess is that most people tend to fall to one side or the other, at least generally. At least generally, you tend to just lean a little bit more one way or the other. And you don't have to call yourself that. You don't have to commit to that. You don't have to be a party official in one of those, <laughs> one of those sections. But you can vote in the party process of the one that you align with. And I'll tell you why this is so important. It may seem impossible to unseat or to to influence what goes on in Washington. But primaries are the easiest way to do that. So there's two good examples of this. One of them, even though I don't agree with her at all, is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She was a candidate who ran against a long-time incumbent, so a Democrat in her own party who had sat in that seat as a congressman for many, many terms. He was stuck in there, and everybody was pretty much like, yep, I guess he'll be there till he retires, whatever. But he's not, because someone ran in a primary against him. Someone didn't think, she didn't think, that he was advocating for the needs of her community as she saw them. So she ran a primary against him, and most people thought she was going to lose when she started because it's a nobody person who has a little bit of experience, who works as a bartender, who has very limited resources, who is running against somebody who has a bunch of money, the backing of the establishment of his party, everything like that. All of the things that we point to and say, this is how the system is rigged, he had that. And she didn't. But she beat him in a primary because she talked about things that resonated with the constituents of her area. And I might not agree with those things. I might not agree with the solutions that she presented or whatever. But that's not up to me because I don't live in her congressional district. And you have to respect her. For, well, that part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and I, yeah. you know, I think there's plenty of things that she says that are kind of ditzy and whatever but yeah yeah she's a sitting congresswoman and she took out a longtime incumbent who was backed by everything that people use to point to to say the system of government is rigged yeah it's not because it is not impervious to challenge it's not impervious if it's not impervious to challenge i'll tell you this as someone coming from new york if it is not impervious to challenge in a long time held democratic seat that no republican could ever 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 win <laughs> in a state like new york which is heavily blue in the most blue area of the most blue state with the most money to spend on democrat politics if you can take someone out there 
who you think is, you know, hard in there in the government and can't be moved, you can change your elected representatives anywhere in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why it's so important because I guarantee you whether or not everybody, (laughs) I, I guarantee you the people who voted for her feel way more represented by her than they do by the guy who sat in that chair before her. And you can do that too. If you don't feel represented by the person who sits in the chair that represents you, um, whether that's at the party level or whether that's at the federal level, there it's not set in stone. There are things that make districts more difficult to win. Uh, there are things that make, you know, cities and counties more difficult to win. But at the end of the day, if you are someone who believes in something, believes that your area, your city, your state, your country should be run a certain way, it behooves you to be involved because your voice absolutely can change everything about how, like, again, AOC is a great example. Don't agree with her. Don't particularly like her, but the politics of the Democratic Party have changed pretty substantially because she's a voice at that table. Mm, That's a good point, too. So, So these are things, like, again, as an outsider, it is it's doable. It's hard. It might be hard. It might not happen in your area, but it is absolutely doable. And, and to say that it is not is to ignore 250 years of historical precedent (laughs) saying that that's not the case. Um, because yeah, because these people represent you. And if you, if the person who is representing your area does not represent the needs and the values of your community, you can change who that is regardless. It it can happen. It, It happens all the time. So, wow. yeah. yeah, no, that was great. I'm going <laughs> to cut vote this. Because that never changes if you don't go vote. Yes, yes. I'm going to cut this section out and, like, have it as individually as well. Like, this, that was good. No, that, that was good. <laughs> um, okay, so then the last two questions. Um, yeah. I guess, oh, actually, you know what? Sorry, before that, yeah. I just said this other one. Um, when it comes to voting, do you think you should vote for someone who um, just represents you or should you vote for someone? Uh, I I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, I really want to help everybody. So they might not really have my best interest, but like the majority's interest or do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, I mean, voting is a personal choice. Yeah. So I can't say, I can't tell you what the best thing to make your choice on is. For instance, Mallory, I know that there are particular political issues that you care about a lot, mm-hmm. um, that you advocate for, that mm-hmm. you talk to people about, that you've highlighted on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and for you, that might be one of the most important things to vote on. It is. And for someone else, that might not be one of the most important things to vote on. For you know, someone who has young children, for instance, it might be very important to vote for someone who has education policy that they feel is beneficial to their family. Um, and it's not selfish to vote for things that you think are beneficial to their, to your family, because at the end of the day, if you think that someone represents, um, you know, policy that is beneficial to you or to your family, it's probably beneficial to a lot of other people who live in your community too. Probably lots of other people are thinking the same thing for the same reasons. And so that's, I mean, that's a valid reason to vote because, you know, because I'm a small business owner and I believe this person has good policy on small businesses. I'm not the only small business owner in my town. There's plenty of others. It affects them too. So, you know, everyone has different metrics for how they judge a candidate. 
um, different issues that they care about more than others. And, you know, we're all people. So we'd all like to say that we're, you know, super educated on every issue. Mm -hmm. We have strong opinions on every (laughs) issue, but it's kind of impossible for us to do that. We can have strong opinions on lots of issues, but you probably don't have strong opinions on every single little issue that your, you know, your candidate may or may not care about. (laughs) (laughs) But what I think is more important than defining the best ways to, you know, decide whether or not who to vote for is um, what does it mean to be an educated voter? You can't make a good decision, regardless of how you value that decision, whether you would rather vote in favor of the community or whether or not you'd rather vote in favor of your own interests. You can't vote in favor of either or however you value your vote if you do not have a full fundamental understanding of who the candidates are that you're voting for. Mm. And, you know, I am a political junkie. I follow every single election that I know about as closely as possible and every little detail. And I'm in a bunch of Facebook groups and all these things. And I see everything that all the candidates put out. You don't need to do that. But I'd encourage you, if you know there's an election coming up, if somebody is hosting a debate, watch the debate or watch part of the debate. If the candidates who are running have a website or a Facebook page, check it out. Check out both on both sides. Or, you know, if it's a if it's a local election, there might not be a partisan race. So it might just be, you know, whoever candidates are running. Um, so check out the info. Read what their platform is. So, you know, they usually candidates have two to five issues that they are really super focused on. And they may have stances on other things, but that's those are the main goals if they get elected. So check out your candidate's Facebook or website. Check out your candidate's uh, background. So, for instance, you know, a bartender can be a congresswoman. She can get there. But you have to decide whether or not a candidate's background lends them to being a good representative of your community. So, for instance, does the candidate live in your community? Have they lived there for a while? Are they new? Do you care about that? You might, you might not. I live in a pretty transient area, so there's people who move in and out of my area on a regular basis. But there's people, you know, in Southwest Virginia who live in communities where most of the people's families have lived there for like six or seven generations. So they probably care a lot more that the candidate is from their community than I do. Um, So think about that. Think about what their background is. Think about what their professional history is. Um, Think about whether or not they have any sort of criminal record. That's something that sometimes happens. There's a state legislator in Virginia who is a sex offender. He is one. He's on a registry. Okay. I think as a voter, that's something I should know about. Uh, He's a Democrat. So (laughs) there's that. Oh, I I was going to say something, but I don't think I will. That's interesting. Okay. But yeah, so, and these are things, these not, not all of these things might matter to you, but some of them probably do. And if they do, this is what you need to be paying attention to. Right. So if they do, this is what you should pay attention to. Um, And it's not hard to find this information. Usually if you go on the candidate's website, they'll have, uh, you know, their policy platform. They'll probably have a little bit about their background. You know, like I served in the military and then I did this and this and I'm a school teacher and whatever. I, whatever. Um, Uh, This is just a side nosy question. The person who is a sex offender, is that on his website? Or no. Okay. No. I don't know. Like trying. That was coming to the second second part of researching candidates. (laughs) To be an informed voter, read what they have to say about themselves, 
then read what someone else has to say about them. Got it. Got so it. whether or not that is their opponent in the primary or the general election, if any of them have anything to say about that candidate, or if you just even do a tertiary Google search of that candidate's name, I would encourage this because I was recently involved in a primary election in my district in the third. There was three candidates running. Two of the candidates were wonderful gentlemen who, and I can say this now because the primary is over and we have a nominee and I'm not speaking against that person because he's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) So our nominee is great and I'm really happy he won. One of the other gentlemen who is running in that primary contest um, had a very interesting background because he claimed certain things that were very provably untrue about his background. For instance, uh, this gentleman claimed to have played in the NFL. Now, you can do a quick Google search and figure out if somebody played in the NFL. It's not particularly difficult. And he didn't. Yikes. Uh, He also claimed to have played for the Marines football team, like collegiate football team. They haven't had one since the late 70s, and this gentleman isn't old enough to have played in that. So... Uh, These are just some very basic things where you can take something that a candidate says, like, hey, this is my background. I own this company. Just do a quick Google search on the company. Do they? You would hope, reading that, that they did. Yeah. I will tell you that that is not always the case. And it doesn't take, you know, if there's an election coming up, maybe spend, maybe block out, you know, a half hour or an hour to look at the candidates and just do a basic background. It doesn't, you know, if you're going to go out on a date with somebody on Tinder, you're probably going to look up their Facebook page. Yeah. (laughs) I guarantee you're doing that. Like, if you're going out on a date with somebody you've never met before, you probably do a little stalking online. If you're going to vote for someone to represent you, you should probably just do just a little stalking online before you do it. I love that. (laughs) That's good, Jesse. So, yeah, and also, to this, just a side note, if someone is lying about something that could be easily Googleable Google, mm-hmm. or whatever, um, that also, this is something about their character, and I'm sorry, that sounds stupid. Yeah. That says something about their, that just it, sounds stupid. It does. It if, does. So, why would you, that's so crazy. Every, you can Google anything now. Mm-hmm. There's but, nothing ungoogleable. Unfortunately, if there's candidates who are running who believe that's acceptable, most of them also believe that you won't take the time to check it out. Wow, that's true. Because, and the reality is, a lot of people probably won't. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Wow. And that's why people like you are here to expose that. That's good. (laughs) I don't know about that. I don't know about that. (laughs) I, I usually try, if you follow me on Facebook and you're involved in Virginia politics, I usually try to blast out, like, as much information as I can on, like, candidates that I know about or candidates that are running in general or whatever. Um, so I did that a little bit for this past race because that was concerning to me. Um, very interesting. If but, you know. friends with her. It was very interesting to, to watch. Okay. So thank you, Jesse. So <laughs> the Those last candidates, they might be sex offenders. <laughs> <laughs> so the last two questions are, um, one is just a question. The other is to make a known statement, but the last question is, I guess. Um, you can take a second to think about it if you need to, but what does it mean to you to be an American? Like, why are you proud to be an American? What is, I don't know, something America. What comes to mind? Yeah. (laughs) What comes to mind? Okay. Um, so I was born here. So 
I didn't really get a super big decision in whether or not I <laughs> live here, but I'm glad that I do. And there are many reasons that I'm glad that I do. But I think that it comes back to this. We are oftentimes um, certain sides of conversations that go on try to highlight only the bad things that are part of this country's history. And this country's history has plenty of missteps. But fundamentally, we're a country of people who value individual liberty, who value personal responsibility, who value opportunity for people who value justice, who value um, the ability for people to speak their minds openly and for free thought that is not regulated, even if it's offensive, that is not regulated because it is more important for people to be able to challenge the status quo than it is for people to not be offended. Um, And those are all things that are important to a free society with free people who are self-governing and who are independent. And we have not always been perfect at this. We have not always made that available to everyone. But we have consistently attempted to form a more perfect union throughout our history. And that is the goal of this country, is, is a land where people are free, equal, and live in a just system. And I don't think that that's something that's gone away. I think it's something that we've gotten better at over time. We've not always been good at, and we have a lot of work left to do. But it's something that we have been consistently pursuing since our founding. And that, to me, is very encouraging. Um, And that, to me, is why I'm proud to live here and why I think, you know, I, there's two sides of my family. One side of my family, where my last name comes from, is Rappeljay. And the Rappeljays were Huguenot colonists who came over to New York, actually, to uh, the colony of New Beverwick, New Albany, so what wound up being Albany, New York, uh, and Manhattan. Um, And they came over on some of the first boats as religious refugees, and they were some of the first people in the colony that became New York. And the other side of my family is my mom's side. And my mom has uh, a dad who is fully Irish and a mom who is fully Italian. And both of them came over at the beginning of the 20th century. Both of their families came over as immigrants at the beginning of the 20th century as refugees from their countries, who uh, both of them at the time faced a lot of persecution uh, coming over even to this country. They, They came because they wanted the opportunity to live in a system that valued justice and to live in a system where they could earn money and provide for their families and create a better life. And they came over to a culture that wasn't super welcoming of them, honestly. My grandma grew up as an Italian Catholic in New York. And when she grew up, it was not very popular to be an Italian Catholic in New York. It was it was a group that we would now consider, you know, she lived in an area that we would now consider a slum, um, that we would now, you know, things that she faced, we would now consider racism. And if you look at me, I'm white. Nobody thinks I'm not white. I don't <laughs> face discrimination or racism because I'm white. But two generations ago, it froze. Oh, here we go. 
Okay, yeah, you're good. You're good. But yeah. yeah, but two generations <laughs> ago, my family came over here, and and family members that I have that are still living can talk about the you know racial bias that they faced as children for being Catholics and for being Irish and for being Italian, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, wow. But that to me shows like one, I'm I'm proud to be a part of a group of people who came over to this country because of their beliefs. And on the other side, I'm proud to be a part of this country of people who came over from somewhere because they knew that somewhere else was better. It wasn't perfect, but it was better. And they came over here and they lived a life and had a family and became part of the community and the community progressed. America is not the same country as it was when my mom's side of the family came over here. We are more tolerant than we were then. And that's a good thing. So we're a country that has continuously progressed and continuously sought the same core values that are outlined in our constitution. And I think it's really cool to see the very different outpourings of that. And again, not perfect, but I think all of us should always strive to make it a more perfect union than it was when we were born into it. Because at the end of the day, we are responsible for this country, not just for ourselves, but for our posterity, for those who come after us. So it's our responsibility to make it better. And we have the power to do it, which I think is really cool. Loved, 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 loved. That was good. Um, yeah, and I, I agree. with every, We have come so far. I'm so, I mean, obviously it's not perfect. And yeah. we're filming this at the end of June. We know what's going on. <laughs> There's a lot going on right there now. There's a lot. We are There's the a lot of, of reminders that it's not perfect. <laughs> right, right. But I like what you said. We are continually trying to get better. We're trying to form a more perfect union. Absolutely love that. Um, and then, um, gosh, I can't even. The Latin it's written in the capital, and at the end of that video, have you been to the? You've been to the capital, right? Yeah. Of course. At the end of the video, the guy said, uh, "It's Latin." Um, <laughs> there's lots of Latin in the capital. Uh, one of them is "E pluribus unum." Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And like that is, yep, that was the one I was looking for. Um, And that is what, I mean, I feel like that just really encompasses America. I love these conversations. This just makes me so happy. Okay. So um, last thing, because we, yeah, we're gone about an hour or so. And I'm trying to respect all of you listeners. You've expressed Mm -hmm. you like 45 minutes to an hour. So I'm trying to give that for y'all. Um. Y'all know how much I can talk. Anyway, um, so the last is your make it known statement. And, yeah. um, you know, we kind of talked about what you could talk about. So if you could. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I would like to, let's see, we'll go over it this way. One, the first thing is, I think it's important that you vote. Regardless of what your beliefs are, I think it's important that you vote. Because we will only be a better and a stronger and a more perfect country uh, with more voices participating in the conversation and expressing how they think uh, we can best move forward. Um, so that's the first thing. I really think, I, I think that's been, been hit on a lot in this video, but definitely go vote. Yes. The yes, other thing yes. I want to talk about is something that's a little bit more partisan in nature than I have tried to go in this conversation because I've tried I've used examples from both sides, and and I think that, you know, it's wherever you are is great, but (laughs) if you know me long enough, you'll get the local government talk, 
but you'll also get the Republican talk. Um, and I'm a Republican. I think it's pretty obvious at this point. Yes, yes. By your title as well. By my title, as well as <laughs> by the things that I've chosen, chosen to talk about and how. <laughs> but I'm a Republican, and here's why. So I posted something about this more in depth, and you can go read it if you want the other day. Um, and it was regarding the legislation that Senator Tim Scott uh, introduced into the Senate, and it was voted on in the Senate, and it was voted down. And it it lost by just four votes, I think. And everyone who voted for it was a Republican. Everyone who voted against it was a Democrat. One, I think it's unfortunate that our system is that partisan. But mm. two, I think it is unfortunate that the Democratic Party seems currently, and this is obviously from my perspective as a Republican, but I think that it is somewhat true. And if you are maybe in the middle, you might agree. Um, I want to be a part of a group of people that genuinely cares about solutions and that genuinely cares about the values that I've expressed believing in for this country and that generally genuinely believes in the vision that I believe in for this country. And I think Senator Scott's example, uh, Senator Scott's bill was a good example of this. So he put together a bill to address some of the concerns about police brutality that are in this country that people have very rightly taken to the streets to talk about. And this bill addressed some of those concerns, created some legislation at the federal level, whatever the purview of the federal government was in different cases, to make that issue, to at least address that issue and try to solve some of the problems. Now, obviously, it's a piece of legislation. It can't solve every problem ever. And it can't stop everything ever. But we have to take a step forward, right? If we have a problem, we have to take a step forward. Yeah. And this is something that uh, the Democrats in the House of Representatives, like I was talking about the two sides and they both have bills and they they try to push them through. The Democrats um, in the House of Representatives had a similar crime bill about uh, this. And they, because they have a majority in the House, they pushed it through. They didn't ask for any amendments. They didn't ask for any Republican support. They didn't want any Republican support. and They didn't have any discussion on it. The bill that Senator Tim Scott, who is a Republican, put into the Senate and went onto the Senate floor, he sat down with a bunch of members of the Democratic Party, including Schumer, including Democratic leadership, and said, what do you need for this bill to pass? Do you want to add an amendment? Do you think it doesn't cover enough stuff? Do you, you want to address this in stricter terms? Do you want more funding to this? Do you want less funding to this? How can we, how can we make this happen so that we can pass something? And I think he said he offered 20 amendments on his bill, 20 different people to say, tack whatever you want onto this bill so that we can make it pass. And every single one of them refused to work with him, refused to talk with him, refused to find a solution. And that's very telling to me Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I'm a Republican, but I don't care about scoring political points. I don't care about, you know, red team versus blue team. My team has more points. I'm a Republican because I believe in the principles of the Republican party. I believe in the policies, not all of them, 
but you know, <laughs> some of them, the general guiding guiding beliefs of the Republican Party. I don't think anybody agrees with every yeah. single thing the Republican Party has ever done or every single thing the Democratic Party has ever done. Right. I don't expect them to. Humans are more nuanced than that. Exactly. Everything like that's unreasonable. So right. I don't expect you to as a you know anybody to. Right. Um but I want to work with people who want to find real solutions, who care about lifting their communities up by giving them opportunity and personal responsibility, not just, not just, you know, in the, in the harsh, like pick yourself up by your bootstraps. No, I want, (laughs) I want people who, who value individuals as being able to contribute. And it bothers me that the left is, pushed farther to the side of we should take care of everyone because honestly you're either too stupid too poor or just not good enough to figure it out for yourself and we will only work on things that score us political points and are to the end that we have to take care of you and tell you what is best for you i just don't believe that i just don't believe i believe that the people in Washington and the people at my state government, the people at my local government work for me mm. to protect my life, my liberty, and my property. I am not here to make anyone else feel good. I am not here for anyone else to take care of me. I want to take care of my community. I want to take care of people in my community. I want, you know, older folks in my community to be able to retire. I, I want those things. But I do not think that I need to be subservient to the government in order to do those things. I believe that the individual is more in need of protection than the collective. And so that's why I'm a Republican. I know that that's a long and kind of philosophical answer, but what I've seen from my party is people who genuinely value that people who genuinely value the strength and the necessity of protecting the individual over the will of the masses. The will of the masses is fine, but I'm me. <laughs> that might seem selfish, but if, if our whole system of government is to protect me from the government, then why would I want to surrender my autonomy fully to the government? And I, this is a very libertarian perspective probably comes off as a little libertarian to some of you (laughs) you said the l word i know i said the l word it is not there's other (laughs) things that i care about like national defense and you know like i said i i don't think that it's you know i don't think that we shouldn't be without security nets i think that we absolutely should be and that's that's you know reasonable role of government i don't mind paying taxes to that that's fine but it's basically at the end of the day who are we serving and at the end of the day are we trying to solve problems or aren't we yeah. I want to solve problems. I want to protect people's rights. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very long-winded great. answer, but yeah. No, that was great. That was great. And I really hope that um, for people who are listening, um, you were able to hear that and hear that with an open mind, I guess, is what I'm thinking. Um, the next couple of episodes, I'm actually, will be of me interviewing people who identify as conservatives, liberal, libertarian, and socialists. That's so right. you'll be able to hear hear all of these um i'm asking everybody the exact same questions so we'll be able to hear some of their hearts and some of the things um that they said so i really hope what 
you heard from Jesse, you were able to keep an open mind and these other people, I hope you're able to keep an open mind, but that was, I mean, that was great. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thank yeah. you. And, and one last thing I also oh, want to say, because sometimes when I talk to people, especially people who are on the left, who are not in the middle <laughs> and are very opposed to, to my viewpoint, which is fine. I often find that there is a presupposition that everyone on the opposite side of you is part of a hegemonic group. They are all, they're part of this, this homogenous big group that's controlled at the top and whatever the person at the top says, that's what they believe. 100%. That's not true. I know plenty of people on the left and we agree on very specific things. Not everything, but certain specific things we agree on. Or they may agree or disagree with members of their party on the same thing. So uh, while you're having political conversations and while you're listening to Mallory's other speakers this month, I want you to remember that whoever anybody aligns with, they are not a homogenous piece of a giant ideology. They're an individual with their own perspective and their own leanings. And you cannot tie them, nor should you tie them, to everything you've ever heard from everyone on their side. Or from anyone, anyone in particular on their side. At the end of the day, if we're going to have productive conversations, we need to have productive conversations about our own values and our own principles and our own perspectives without the belief that someone is our enemy because they have a letter connected to their name <laughs> yeah, or because they're, you know, red or blue or yellow or whatever else. Um, but yeah. yeah. No, that's really good. And I want to, and I, I'll probably say this in other episodes or figure out how to say this in a better way, but I do want us to be able as people, as individuals, as, as people that live in the same country to have conversations with people mm-hmm as individuals and not if someone does believe like you there's an r or a d next to their name it's it's a disservice to you and to them to automatically lump them as something when you don't know yet with everything you either hate or love about that letter (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. you don't know that and it really i mean and then after this we really should end this but i do want to say this um no no no, you're fine i just i'm thinking of some stuff i'm kind of talking to myself um i one of the saddest things about this time um, is I feel like there's a lot of people who are ending friendships. There's a lot of people who are. um, Yeah. And even with family, like family, family, family stuff when um, there have been so many other things that you guys agree with um, and you know, or, you know, someone personally, you know, that they're not a bad person, but their specific take, and I'm not saying, you know, if someone flat out says, yeah, kill all X, Y, and Z. Okay. Yeah, no, evil, we're going to okay, not do that. that. Yeah. <laughs> not agree. Not a good person. Well, I don't believe in good or bad people, but like, they're not doing a good thing. Okay. Not so a good yes. look. No. Not a good look. Not going to associate someone, with that. Right. But if someone just happens to think that the solution to a problem is different than the way you think a solution mm-hmm. is. And you know that person, you know, they have a good heart and you know, like you guys have been friends for years. It just, it's so sad seeing people like stop having conversations, seeing people break up friendships. Like we should be at a place where we can have these conversations. Also too, you yelling at someone, you calling someone outside of their name, you questioning their ethnicity. (laughs) I don't know if you follow me on Facebook, you know what I'm referencing. Um, that doesn't change anybody's mind. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't. Like, I, I don't know the purpose of that. I, I'm, it's always confusing to me, but like, it doesn't change people's mind. We should be able to have these conversations. And that's why I wanted to talk to people who I didn't believe or who had ideologies that I didn't agree with. Obviously, 
Uh, if you know me for two seconds, you know that I am not a socialist. But I really am looking forward to having that conversation. And I'm yeah. really looking forward to you guys hearing that because we should be able to have these conversations. I've actually wanted to have um, a friend of mine who is um, super like left-leaning, like she was Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. I'm pretty sure she worked for her at one point. I don't know. But she was super into that. I wanted to have her on to have a discussion before we're kind of working things out. Like, I want us to be able to talk to people who are different from us. And I want us to also talk to people who are in the same, who have similar ideologies. But mm-hmm. like Jesse was saying, there's little things that are like tweaked, little things like, yeah. well, actually, I don't believe that one specific thing because we're humans and we're not always going to agree with everything. And we're just, there's so much to us. And I just want everybody, after this, I really am going to end it, but I just want everybody to remember that um, the person that you know and the person that you love is more than just this one belief. Once again, I'm going to give the caveat. If they say kill X, Y, and Z, that is not, there's, you know. There's certain li- lines in the sand that probably right. should be drawn here. There's but, certain yeah. lines, but if they have a solution, like I said, if they have a solution mm-hmm. that the way to get to that solution is different than yours, you have to we just have to start thinking of people more than just this one issue. That is just, yeah. yeah. And I think too, like you may disagree with somebody on one particular issue, but if you guys recognize the same problem and you can talk together and compromise on a solution and work towards a solution, you might not agree with 90% of the other things that that person believes, but do you care about that right now? Because you can affect one thing that really matters. Like, right. So it's definitely, it, it's worth talking to people and figuring out where you agree and disagree because, you know, there are particular things that there are people that I don't agree with at all, but on one thing we fought together and we got something really meaningful done. And that's important. Yes. 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 Okay, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. As you can tell, this is my passion. This is my heart. I love this stuff. I love these conversations. Don't and know I why. Nerd, about, nerd out about this all day. So. Yeah. Je- <laughs> Jesse's the same way. Like, I don't know why we have these excitementness toward this I don't know the word I'm trying to find but y'all know what I'm trying to say but um thanks everyone so much for listening um I really hope you enjoyed this episode make sure that you like and share and just get the word out I want uh, this specific series I really would like as many people as possible to be listening to because I really Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram, at thoseothergirlspodcast, and on Twitter, at TOG underscore podcast. Those Other Girls, changing culture and bringing back traditional values.